Welcome to the Heal Podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama Five, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to talk to you about what is in your personal care products and cosmetics. What you put on your skin, which is your largest organ, is just as important as what you consume. Your body immediately absorbs what is on the skin. But did you know that there is limited regulation in the personal care industry? And the last law that was passed was 1938. So the chemicals and ingredients in your products have not been tested for human safety. So for those of you struggling with your health, it is super important to use clean products. Eight years ago, I started using Beauty Counter for my cosmetics and personal care products. They are the leaders in clean, safer products that work. Beauty Counter has done the research and taken the guesswork out of what is safe. Go to lime360.com forward slash beauty counter to learn more. Reach out to me at mimi at lime360.com if you want to learn more or find out what my favorite products are. Welcome back to the Heal Podcast. This is Mimi McLean from Lyme 360. And today we have Shelly Ball, and she's a PhD, and she's the author of Lyme Disease, Ticks, and You. Shelly is a chronic Lyme warrior sufferer who struggled to get the proper diagnosis. She had to be on her own health advocate and study the latest peer-reviewed papers on Lyme and ticks in order to get anywhere with combating the symptoms and understanding the science. Having done that, she realized that there's a need for everything you know resource to help others who want to learn how to protect themselves and what to do if they get bitten by a tick. It's suspect that they have Lyme. To get my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to Lyme360.com forward slash detox checklist. Shelly, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm super excited. I have your book here, your new book that just came out, Lyme Disease, Ticks, and You, A Guide to Navigating Tick Bites, Lyme Disease, and Other Tick-Borne Infections. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you today. That's great. I would love to just start out and just talk about like what made you decide to do a book and where did you even find the energy to do the book? <laughs> so I was actually approached by Firefly Canada, the book publisher, to write this book. And I jumped at the opportunity because when I started this Lyme journey, obviously not by choice, I was shocked to realize how little support there is from our, our medical profession here in Canada, you know, our, our publicly funded medical system. And, and I very quickly found that I was having to read the peer-reviewed scientific literature to help myself. And I was also very much reaching out to other Lyme patients, Lyme sufferers, and, you know, and those suffering from tick-borne illnesses for support and information. And so as I started to kind of understand the whole kind of Lyme and tick-borne illnesses story, I just realized that you know, as a research scientist, I, I have the good fortune of being able to read and understand the peer-reviewed science of, of tick-borne illnesses, but a lot of people can't. And I just, I don't know, I think just as a science communicator and a scientist, I just sort of felt a little bit of a responsibility to kind of take the, the knowledge that I was gaining and to find a way to share it with people mm-hmm. because not everybody can access that scientific literature that they can understand it. And to kind of say, well, how can I take this and boil it down into essentially kind of a, a primer on Lyme disease and tick-borne illnesses so that anybody who is unfortunate enough to get the disease or to, to have a tick bite has sort of easily, I hope, easily accessible information that can help them. Because I have unfortunately learned that 
we need to be our own strongest and most vocal advocates in order to get help. And so that's why I wrote the book was to help other people with their Lyme journey and, and help them help themselves, basically. Yeah. And I love the fact that in the book you talk about, which is not really talked about, I actually just wrote a blog for my website about it in the past month, but how it's congenital, you could be born with it, it could be sexually transmitted those topics aren't really talked about and everyone thinks that you just have to be bit by a tick and that's just so not the case. And I love how you talk about it because regular Western medicine doesn't believe that that can actually happen. I think you raised a really important point and I mentioned in the book, as well as even gender differences and how we sort of react to infection of tick-borne illnesses and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, you've raised a really important point because um, as you say, you know, people think, okay, you're bitten by a tick and here's how you get it. But unfortunately, our public health care system, at least in Canada, does not recognize either sexual transmission or, you know, maternal fetal transmission as, as ways that you can get Lyme. And yet there's good evidence in the peer-reviewed scientific literature, as well as a lot of anecdotal information. And the other thing that I really kind of draw upon is, as a scientist, I say, well, if our medical system won't accept the peer-reviewed science that's out there. What gets me is, you know, I sort of turn to other microbes for comparison. And, and one that's often brought up in the kind of Lyme conversation is syphilis, which mm-hmm. is also a spirochete bacterium. And it also has a persister form and it's sexually transmitted. And, you know, there are so many similarities between the Borrelia bacteria that causes Lyme disease and the spirochete that causes uh, syphilis. Right. So and why yet, wouldn't it have the same kind of transmission, right? Because exactly. it's in the same family. It's just crazy. There's no logic to it. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the frustrations that, you know, all of us with chronic Lyme have is there's sort of common sense and logic and scientific precedent as well as direct information about Borrelia, and yet it gets ignored. I think I know why it is, but why do you think that's the case? <laughs> it's, gosh, that's a really tough, tough question. It, it's, I think, unfortunately, it, it boils down to essentially politics. And I think, yes, I think that's so. part of why I have sort of written this book and become such a vocal advocate for for Lyme sufferers, not just for myself, but for for all Lyme sufferers, because when peer-reviewed science, so science produced by experts in the field is being ignored by our medical professions, that's really concerning. And, you know, I'm not trying to sort of like open up a can of worms, but it's a little bit like climate science denial, right? Climate change denial, where, you know, the world's experts are, you know, producing peer-reviewed science on climate. And there's a lot of people who still don't believe that climate change is happening or that it's caused by humans. And, you know, that's a whole other sort of discussion. But I I think there's a parallel in the sense that we have this, this very large body and very quickly growing body of scientific evidence. And yet the medical profession is ignoring it. And I just find that shocking, to be honest. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. And then you also talk about in the book, which I think I'd love to talk about your personal experience, but also just, you mentioned it where mold and parasites kind of go hand in hand with Lyme. I'm dealing right now with mold with my son in college. His dorm room is covered in in mold. Does it have to be just black mold or can it be like the other form, like the white kind of mold? Like, Oh, it can be a whole variety. And I actually, so I, I, you know, can I empathize with your son, you know, having done three science degrees and been a student for, you know, I sort of joke 150 years sort of thing, uh, you know, and and being a student in both Canada and the U S I've, I've lived in some pretty, uh, not wonderful housing and mold is definitely an issue, particularly in sort of student housing kind of situation. And, and I'm just going through a situation here at home where I had water damage in my home and, 
and it destroyed my hardwood floors. And, and when the floors were lifted, it's uh, it was absolutely it. covered mm-hmm. with black mold, which explains why like a year ago, September of 20, what is it, 2020, I started to get sick again and I couldn't understand yes. why. That happened and, to us so, too in our house. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrible, eh? But interestingly, the, the Lyme literate doctor that I sought help from in the fall of 2019 he, you know, because he's, he's a Lyme expert, one of the first things he did was test me for molds. And I actually tested positive for four different mold infections. Wow. And what's pretty frightening, so it wasn't just the black mold. And, and at that point, I don't even know if the water damage was happening in my house back then. They suspect that I had picked up those mold infections, you know, over the so course of many years and living in a whole variety of, you know, sort of climates and, and housing situations. And the mold infections were so bad that uh, as you probably know, one way to test for molds is uh, urine test. So they measure the levels of mycotoxins in your your urine. And for three of the four of them, I was in the 99th percentile. I mean, my body was just completely wow. overloaded with mycotoxins. So no wonder I was so sick. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was so sick in this in September of 2019 that my my family doctor, I had been to see her multiple, multiple times. And, and you know, she was kind of at, at her wit's end about how to help me. And I was so sick. I sat in her office and she looked at me almost in tears and said, you are so sick and I have no idea how to help you. Will you go to the emergency room? She said, I'll call you an ambulance. I said, well, I just drove an hour to get here. So I think I drive myself 20 minutes to the ER. But, and of course they didn't help. But yeah, you know, it, it's mold infections are serious and they can, it, a lot of the mycotoxins from not just the black mold, as you mentioned, but other, other molds that we can pick up either through exposure, through air, you know, water, the food that we eat, you know, uh, contact on our skin. There's a lot of ways that we can get those, those mold infections. Like just even for, for example, with the black mold, the mycotoxin it produces is such a potent immunosuppressor. So suppressing Mm -hmm. your immune function that the pharmaceutical industry actually isolates it and turns it into a drug to give to patients who have had organ transplants. So they won't reject their organ. Oh, and, wow. and these are the things that we're picking up in the environment that are suppressing our immune system. And as you know, when our immune system is suppressed, it just opens the door for tick-borne illnesses that we have to go crazy. Because it, it, as you likely know, you know, you can have a, a latent infection of Lyme bacteria where, and, and that was probably the case with me, is that I was probably infected when I was a child. But it only kind of made me sort of marginally ill over the course of sort of, you know, 40, you know, 45, 50 years kind of thing. And then it wasn't until that that tick bite in 2019 that just dropped me to my knees and everything just kind of fell apart from from that point. So, you know, those mold infections, I think when they're suppressing your immune system, it just makes it so much more difficult to deal with tick-borne illnesses. And, and, And I think, you know, a lot of people with chronic Lyme don't realize that you know, the mold is a big part of the, can be a big part of the picture. Mm-hmm. Do you recall what your, your doctor, obviously not your general practitioner, when you went to find the um, more holistic, what they did to help you get rid of the mold? Was it prescriptions or did they have you do anything at home? I would say primarily prescription drugs. So I was on, yeah, I was on a couple of prescriptions. I had some had chronic sinus infections and sinus issues. And so they said, well, that's mold as well. So I had prescription uh, nasal sprays to take. I also had some herbals. So it really was kind of a multi-pronged approach of both the the botanicals and the um, prescription drugs. And, you know, it's a bit of a challenge because treating mold is is not easy. And the drugs that they give you, the prescri- prescription drugs are actually pretty, pretty hard on your system and they can be really hard on your liver. So, you know, I had a good doctor and, and he made sure that my liver enzymes were tested once a month just to make sure that, 
you know, nothing sort of bad was happening, you know, while I was on the treatment. And it's a long haul to get rid of the the mold. It's not easy. And, yeah. and the medications, as you know, can make you hurt a lot, which makes you sicker, which it's a tough gig, right? Because you're you're already really sick. And the, the fact that you're taking medications that kill the microbes, but when the microbes die, they release endotoxins that make you sick. It's a bit of a vicious uh, circle. Right. And then the, the other thing I want to talk about, which you discuss in your book is, is um, diagnosing Lyme, which is extremely difficult. And you talk about the Horowitz checklist, which I also, I think, have on my website too, which is a great way of just kind of going through the symptoms, which a lot of the symptoms are also, I found out, mold symptoms. Can we discuss that, like what you would recommend right now if anyone's listening and, and they think they have Lyme and they haven't been diagnosed, what, what, what route would you tell them to go and which tests would you tell them to do? Yeah, great question. And, and unfortunately, there's no easy answer, partly because there's so much variation from patient to patient in terms of how Lyme manifests. And if you have other co-infections, that just makes it all the harder to treat, but also it increases the list of symptoms. And as you said, mold infections, you know, the symptoms of those overlap with tick-borne illnesses. So it, it can be really challenging. But I would say that one of the most important things, but also one of the hardest things is to find a Lyme literate doctor. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's an expert, you know, who's a medical doctor, but an expert on Lyme who knows what to look for and, and understands, you know, the progression of these symptoms and, and understands that tick-borne illnesses, right? These tick-borne diseases that we have, they result in, in a multi-system infectious disease syndrome. And that's why, you know, Lyme is considered, Lyme and other tick-borne illnesses are considered the great imitators because the suite of symptoms is so broad and it overlaps with so many different things. But it's because, especially those of us with chronic Lyme, you know, the, the presence of the bacteria, whether it's Lyme or and co-infections has done so much damage to our bodies mm-hmm. that it manifests itself in so many different ways. And so, you know, I think the Horowitz questionnaire is, is a really good one, especially for people who don't yet have a diagnosis to kind of do a little bit of their own detective work. In my case, and a lot of people I, I speak to, they say, well, I just started to kind of not feel good. And then I felt like I'd burn out and then I got really sick. And, and that's kind of a really common theme, it seems, you know, with, with tick-borne illnesses. And so I think that Horowitz questionnaire is really good. One of the things that I mentioned in the book, and, and it was a friend of mine with Lyme disease who recommended this for me when I was first bitten, was she said, keep a diary, a symptom, daily symptoms diary. And that was really yeah. important. Because that really helped me, first of all, understand what was happening to me and my body and how I was feeling. But it was also really important to present to my GP and to my Lyme literate doctor in terms of sort of, because symptoms can wax and wane, right? They come and go. And that just makes it all the more confusing for you as a patient when you don't understand Lyme disease. I mean, you know, most of us who have kind of been on this journey for quite a while, you know, we, we now understand it. But when you're first starting all of this and you don't know how Lyme and tick-borne illnesses affect you, it's, it can be pretty confusing. So I think, I think that, that symptoms diary is important, not just for us. And cause I think it also sort of helps us kind of validate that, you know, this isn't all in our head, which unfortunately is what most infectious disease doctors will tell us. This is a very real illness with very real symptoms. And then, you know, hopefully if you can find a Lyme literate doctor, which is my recommendation, it's not always easy to find, but if you can find one, that symptom diary and that Horowitz questionnaire will be immensely helpful to them as well. And then in, in terms of the testing, you know, as I mentioned in the book, the two-tier testing that we do here in Canada is abysmal. And if you have Lyme disease, depending on sort of what stage you're in, in terms of, you know, whether it's acute or chronic or whatever, there's a, a meta-analysis that they're, 
you know, that's analyzed, I can't remember, I think it was about 11 or 17 different scientific studies out there that says, if you have Lyme, the probability that that two-tier testing will pick it up is about 54%. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of us then go to private labs like Igenix in California or Arm in, in Germany, that's where I was tested. But the problem, at least here in Canada, is that our our medical system will not accept the results of the testing. It's so expensive too, right? In my case, you know, I think a really kind of important last point there is that I've been infected with Lyme and tick-borne illnesses for so many years that even with my Armin testing, my test came back negative. My CD57 was, was positive. But, you know, as my Lyme literate doctor explained to me, I no longer produce antibodies to Lyme disease. So when we mm. use an antibody test to look for the presence of it, there's there's no point. Yeah. So yeah, that was what I was going to bring up too, is that for people who are tight on funds, it's not covered and it's super expensive. Even if you go to an ILADS doctor or every time I've been treated, they don't even treat the Lyme. They treat that last. So it almost doesn't even matter if you have the Lyme. It's like start yeah. like peeling back, like what's going on yes. with your mitochondria. If you do yeah. have the mycotoxins and the mold or the parasites, get your gut working, right? Exactly. All those things are going to help you fight that Lyme anyway. And I don't personally, I don't know if, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think Lyme goes away. I think it's kind of like mono. It kind of just subsides yep. and your it just kind of goes back dormant and your body is able to kind of control it. So it's getting your immune system. Like your focus is how do I build my immune system up? Not how am yep. I going to kill the Lyme? I think that's a huge difference that people have to get their head around. Like I need to kill this Lyme. No, you need to get your immune system up. And how are you going to do that's that? That's a really excellent point, Mimi, because I think if, if you've just had a tick bite, I would argue that your chances of killing the Lyme are high if you can get a sufficient dose of antibiotics immediately, like within you know a mm -hmm. few days of the tick bite, right? That I think you know it's no guarantee, but it maximizes your chance of of killing that microbe before it disseminates to the rest of your body. For those of us, like it took me seven weeks of conversations with my GP just to get my first dose of doxycycline, and that was way way too late. But it, as I say, you know it's likely I've had you know chronic Lyme for a long time, anyways. But yeah, I think the unfortunate thing is that those of us with chronic Lyme, because we science now, you know, tells us about the persister form of Lyme, that it's unlikely that we'll ever get rid of it. And that in a way it becomes a little bit like cancer where your goal becomes remission and trying to regain as much good health as possible. And, and it's certainly possible. I know people who sometimes it takes, you know, it can take between two and 10 years, depending on how bad your infections are, how long you've had them. As you say, you know, do you have mold infections? My Lyme literate doctor said, look, we're not even going to treat the Lyme until we treat the mold because it's suppressing your immune system so much that, you know, we can give you antibiotics for Lyme disease, but your body's not even going to be able to metabolize those, those antibiotics. And it's not going to, to help you at this stage. So they were really focused on killing the Lyme first and then building up my immune system and reducing the systemic inflammation. And those I think are kind of the three main things, because I didn't start on antibiotics until several months into my Lyme treatment. And I think the other thing too, is, you know, getting back to your comment about the testing, when I was so ill in the fall of 2019, I was so desperate to get a positive Lyme test. And I think I look back on that now, and I think it was just because every doctor I saw was saying, you don't have Lyme. I think it's just, I'm not saying they do this intentionally, but they're delegitimizing your illness and basically telling you that you're fine. And, you know, because all, all my blood tests other blood tests came back normal. And I'm like, I'm sick, you know, and finally my GP, you know, sent me to the ER because I was so sick and yet all my tests come back normal. And so I think what I've sort of realized from my own experience and, and a piece of advice I would pass on to others is 
sure, you know, do the testing, but don't spend a bundle of money on it because ultimately, you know, Lyme literate doctors know that the most important thing is doing a clinical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we really need to focus on. And, you know, so many Lyme patients, especially those of us with chronic, you know, tick-borne illnesses that we're losing our retirement, we're selling our houses, you know, to pay for treatment to try to get regain our health and just to be functional again. And I guess I would sort of argue, yeah, you know, test for Lyme, but don't spend your retirement money on thousands and thousands of dollars trying to get a positive test because we we know that a negative test does not mean that you don't have Lyme, right? You know, in my case where I'm no longer producing antibodies to it. Yes, it's an, a piece of information, but I think the most important thing are your your symptoms and finding that Lyme literate doctor that can help you. No, it's true. Well, Shelly, this has been amazing. Congratulations on your book. I'm very excited for you and thank you for doing this and thank you for your time. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to cover? Gosh, you know, it's such a, a broad topic, eh? But I think kind of the last thing that I would just like to, to end with, and, you know, and, and I so appreciate your time, the invitation to speak with you. I, I, you know, I really admire you and what you're doing. And I really appreciate that because I think all of us really need to advocate. And so I think kind of my last comment is just about, I think we have a long way to go and we need to really, really force the issue with our medical systems here in North America to finally get our public you know, medical systems to recognize or to accept the peer-reviewed science of Lyme disease and, and other tick-borne illnesses and to start taking it seriously, to accept that science, and then to start properly diagnosing and treating. Because if we don't, certainly here in Eastern Ontario, the incidence of not just Lyme disease, but other tick-borne illnesses like Bartonella, Babesia, anaplasmosis is going crazy here this year. A lot of people are ending up in hospital from it. And doctors don't even know how to diagnose it, let alone treat it. And even Rocky Mountain spotted fever is is here. And so, you know, I think we really, really need to push our medical systems to take this very seriously, because if they don't, we're going to have a large proportion of population with devastating chronic illness, which has not just massive implications for us personally, you know, our lives, our futures, our, our families, but society in general, and, you know, the number of people likely to be on disability, the economic consequences. I mean, I I think this is a disaster in the brewing. And I'll be honest, it's also a human rights issue. The fact Mm -hmm. that we're denied treatment because of the illness that we have, that's just Mm -hmm. wrong. And and we've got to change that. Yeah, definitely. We have to. And just... Otherwise, it's just the, the numbers just keep increasing every year. Yep. Very lonely. <laughs> to find Shelly, you can go to her Instagram page, which is biosphere.ed. So it's B-I-S-P-H-E-R-E dot E-D. And I will have that link below in the comments, as well as also her link to her book on Amazon. And so thank you again so much, Shelly. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Mimi. I really, really do appreciate it. And uh, do take care. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on, and I am so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week. If you want to learn how I detox and you want to check out my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to Lyme360.com forward slash detox checklist. You can also join our community at Lyme360 Warriors on Facebook, and let's heal together. Thank you.